0: most important thing I could ever teach you. Because if if it wasn't for salvation, we are all doomed for hell. I mean, that's it. So, what is salvation? It's something I taught in my uh, Sunday school class this morning. Um, uh, we, we have several that have given their lives to the Lord, and, the, and, and so I do a new believers class uh, when people start getting uh, coming to the Lord. But, but here's the easiest thing. Salvation is the act of being saved. I know it sounds silly, but it's so true. Because why would I need salvation if I didn't need to be saved? Think about it. If, if, I, if I didn't need to be saved from something, I wouldn't need to be saved. Salvation in and of itself is the act of being saved. And, and then you have to follow up with that question with saved from what? Sin and death. You know how the Jews got it all wrong when, when, when we when were dealing with Jesus? Jesus. See, when Jesus came and he was teaching about um, sin and how to repent of that and believe in him and, and, and be baptized for the remission of sins and all of these things that he was teaching, the Jews didn't get it because they wanted salvation from the Romans. And guess what? There's something a lot worse than the Romans in your life. That is sin and that is hell. That's the worst thing. And they weren't seeking salvation from what they needed. it. They were seeking salvation from their circumstances. In fact, that's what a lot of churches do today. Save me from my circumstance. When really I need to be saved from my sin. That's what I need saved from. Sin is the problem. If I continue to sin, sin will always lead to death. James chapter 1 verse 15 says when, I, when, when desire has conceived. So every one of you has a desire inside of you to do wrong things. Am I right? Right? Every one of you has something inside of you that you know right from wrong and the desire in you is just to do wrong. There's like man I want to look at that. I want to drink that. I want to take that. I want to lie. I want to steal. I want to cheat. And it's not necessarily that you're wanting to do that. You're often wanting the, the things that come with it. I, want to, I don't want to steal, but I want what I don't have, so I'm willing to steal. You guys getting me? you following me, right? See, sin will always lead to death. When that desire, when you act upon the desire, so just because you desire to do wrong, that's not sin. Not yet. Just because you desire to drink doesn't make it a sin because it's... A desire you haven't acted but the conceiving part when i've conceived and i've given in and i've done it it gives birth to sin see sin by itself i need to immediately repent god i'm sorry but if i continue to sin it then that sin just like this sin when it is full grown brings forth death desire leads to sin and sin leads to death I need to be saved from sin so that I don't end up in death. See, man's problem is sin. It always has been pro- the problem. In Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. And here's the thing. This is the easy part of the message because I can tell all of you right now, every one of us, can we all agree that we've all in this room fallen short of the glory of God? We've all sinned. We've all done something wrong. Am I right? Every one of us. There's not one of us in here claiming to be perfect. Is anybody perfect? Just let me just get that. Okay. Uh, I know your fa- you're you're going to be in so much trouble when your father sees that you raised your hand, Mike. That was your boy. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying it was my, he's he thinks he's perfect. Mike, is your son perfect? Where are you, Mike? He's not perfect. Okay, so you're wrong. You're not perfect. Okay, so for all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the problem. Romans 6.23 then goes and says, for the wages of sin. So, So here's the deal. Sin is an infraction against God's law that demands retribution. What that means is this. My sin demands payment. The payment is death. The wages of sin is death. So because of my sin, I have to die. Unless... Someone takes my place. We'll get to that later. I need you to understand your problem, my problem is all the same problem. Our problem is with sin. Sin, the wages of sin is death. Because of my sin, my payment, my sentence is death. If we were in the courtroom and God is the judge, I stand before him. He says, because of all of your sin, Daniel, you are going to you have the death sentence on the table. Every one of us is in that same exact boat before salvation. Because remember, what is salvation? The act of being saved. And saved from what? Sin! So then we talk about how am I saved. This is, like I said, I'm just going through some very easy, easy basic parts of making sure. I better turn my phone off. If your guys' phone's not silenced, you might want to do that. Just saying. I forgot. So how am I saved? Here's the deal. How am I saved through forgiveness? We're going to get into a lot more details, but I do need you to understand is that here's the deal. I have sin in my life, so ultimately the bottom line of what I need is forgiveness. I need forgiveness. The bad news, Hebrews 9, verse 22 and 10, 4, it says this. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's the problem, right? I'm explaining the problem. Because we have sinned against God Almighty, Something, there's got to be a payment of blood. But here's the problem. Without the shedding of blood, there's a, but it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. In, in other words, what the Jews were doing was sacrificing goats and, and lambs and, and bulls and heifers, and they were, they were killing these animals so that the blood would cover their sin. But the problem is, is it wasn't good enough. It was only a temporary solution to a permanent problem that we have. The good news, in the same book, Hebrews chapter 9, says Jesus did not enter by the means of blood of goats, so he didn't kill a goat or a calf on his behalf, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. By his own blood. See, that's what Jesus did, by his own blood. That's what makes this different. Thus, obtaining eternal redemption how much more then will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to god cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to what death isn't that amazing what he's saying is this the blood of christ when i am saved we're going to talk about the spirit cleanses our consciousness i want you to think about this Maybe some of you in this very room right now are carrying the guilt and shame of the sin that you're walking in. Is there anybody that just say, hey, you know what, I'm one of those. I'm one of those that's dealing with guilt and shame of the things that I've done wrong. Here's what the Spirit does in salvation. It cleanses, cleans your conscience about that because that's what forgiveness does that was a past thing and we've got to move forward in Christ now so guys I'm going to walk through seven parts of salvation we're going to start with God's part all right so I'm this is going to be a quick slide here we go this is what the whole picture looks like I color coordinated for you you're welcome pretty neat though right I worked all week on this you better be impressed I'm just saying I worked really hard on this I uh, I wanted to color coordinate so that you could see everybody's part. In salvation, when we're dealing with salvation, everybody has a part. They're, every one of you has a part. So here's the deal: is I'm going to walk through every one of these. So that's the big picture. Here's our first picture. We're going to start with the Father. And here's what's so amazing: God is our Father, our Father who art in heaven. Right. So when we think about God, I don't want you just to think about God. I want you to talk, think about the Father. Maybe you've had a bad Father here on Earth, but I can promise you that we have an eternal Father who absolutely loves you there is a father out there who wants you to be his son and daughter there is a father who adores you and who wants you and maybe you have a great earthly father but there's one even better so i'm wanting you to understand when god he does not play around with he wants to be your father here's the deal our father and it's by his love mercy and grace that you're saved It's by his love, mercy, and grace that you're saved. I love love how the the word says, and I wrote down three passages. I'm only going to read two. Romans 5, 8. But God, everybody say, but God." God. But God demonstrated. That means he's proving, he's showing. He's showing his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, when you were unlovable that you were completely unworthy of his love, he loved you anyways. God demonstrated love by this. While you were still sinning, while you were being rebellious, while you were being the prodigal child, while you were running, while you were rebelling, while you were doing whatever you wanted to do, Jesus died for you. That's love. And I want you to understand the difference between mercy and grace. There two sides of one coin, but they're different. There's a heads and a tails. There's a mercy and a grace. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve. Every single one of us, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, I deserve to die in my sin and go to hell. I deserve that. And here's the deal. I wasn't a terrible kid. Mike, I was probably much like yours. That gives you any idea. Probably a lot like him. And, uh, and, and so, you know, um, I liked when the youth were up here. You guys in the back, dark corner. I, I'm going to have to watch this. I'm going to have to watch this. We're going to get a little spotlight over there so I can really, really watch you guys in the back. I don't know if I like youth in the back. Pastor Paul, we're going to work on that. Um, here's the deal God demonstrated this love. And, and so, what mercy is, is, I deserve hell. So, if God, all he did is says, you know what, Daniel, I'm not giving you heaven. But i'm not going to send you to hell i'd be happy with that wouldn't you if god just said i'm just not you deserve hell i'm just not going to send you there i'm not giving you heaven but i'm not sending you to hell that's mercy grace is saying i'm not going to just not send you to hell but i'm going to give you eternal life grace is giving me so mercy is I'm not receiving what I should receive and mercy or grace is I'm receiving so one is I'm not going to give you punishment instead I'm going to give you heaven and that's all God you because of grace you cannot earn your way to heaven you can't pay your way to heaven you can't attend church enough for heaven you can't tithe your way to heaven I don't want you to stop tithing but you can't tithe your way into heaven. You get what I'm saying? There's nothing, you can't attend church. Hey, what if I came to church every single day? No, that doesn't, you can't earn it because of his love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. That's how it works. Isn't that amazing? That verse never gets old. I, I've been preaching for 22 years, almost 23, and it doesn't get old. Talking about John three sixteen, Son, now we're going to get, so the Father, His love, grace, mercy. Now, number one, here's the first part of salvation, the first part of what I'm wanting us to see the steps of. The first part is what a word called propitiation. Everybody say that. Close enough. So, propitiation is all the wrath of God. So here's the deal. There's sin. Sin is everywhere. Am I right? We don't have to look very far around and sin is everywhere. Right? It's everywhere. And so here's what happens is this. Because of that sin, God has wrath. There's judgment for this. So what God does is He takes all of His anger, all of His wrath that He has towards you and me that was once upon us and now it's been placed upon His Son. Jesus took my place. That's what propitiation means. Jesus took my place. So when, when it, it would be like this. If you've ever been an older sibling and the younger one was about to get in a bunch of trouble and then the older one kind of steps in front and takes the brunt of the load. Was there any good siblings like that? Or would... Some of you are like, yeah, I did that. And most of you are like, yeah, just go ahead and slam them down. They just didn't knock them down a couple of levels. But here's the thing is Jesus, he he became that what's called, uh, so propitiation, another word that you can put in there is atoning sacrifice. He made a sacrifice of atonement, appeasing the anger of God. So Jesus took on the anger of God for you. That's what propitiation, that's the first thing before, see, we haven't even got saved yet in this story. That's before we even have an opportunity to be saved. Jesus, be, while you were still sinning, Jesus said, I'm taking, God give me the wrath. Uh, it's my fault. I'll take it all. So everything you've ever done wrong, Jesus took it on the chin for you. I'm going to let that sink in. He didn't have to. He was perfect. He didn't have to. 1 John 4.10 says, this is love, isn't it? This is love. Not that we loved God. We were still sinning, right? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.10. Romans 3.25, God presented Christ as a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice through the shedding of the blood to be received by faith. Now, there's a lot of people who would say that man has no part in salvation. That's not true. It's not. If we say it's all God and not man at all, then you'll never be saved. Man's part in salvation is his confession. So I want to show you how this works. There's two things that we've got to confess. So I'm kind of leading it in, right? For God so loved that's the first part the father for God the father loved the world that he gave his only so there's a propitiation part that whosoever that's not God that's not Jesus that's not the Holy Spirit that's us whosoever believes see if you refuse to believe you won't be saved There's no other way to say that. That's the only way. So if you refuse, I'm not believing in God, you will not be saved from hell. You will not be saved from your sin that's consuming your life. So there's two parts of confession. First part is the confession of faith. That's the whosoever believes. If you don't believe, there's nowhere else to go. So it's the moment that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He he was born and He died on the cross for your sins, that He was buried and He rose again and He's the author and perfecter of salvation. That's believing. But the other part is the confession of the part that we don't like to talk about. Let's not talk about our sin. Think about it. Salvation from what? Sin. There's got to be a confession of it. There's got to be a point in my life say God, I am a sinner. So 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, if. See that word if? If you got your Bibles open and you're making notes, you might circle that word if. Because there's a lot of people that skip over that. They, they, they just assume that it happens. No, if I confess my sins, well, what if I don't? Well, then the next part's not happening. You guys get what I'm saying, right? If you confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Our, what did we need to be saved? Forgiveness. Right? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all sin. Or, yours might say, from all unrighteousness. So, so far we see Jesus as a propitiation and atoning sacrifice, and now we see man's confession in God... Let's continue to Jesus. Jesus now does two more things. So step number three, This is the so now uh, understand this is kind of like a walking story. So before, before, while you were still sinning, you were still lost, God loved you. He had mercy upon you and he's offering grace to you. Then you made a confession of faith and a confession of your sin. Now's the moment you have placed your faith in him and you've confessed your sin to him, right? This is the moment of salvation. Now, everything from this moment on is all the things that's happening to you once you're saved. Okay? That's why it looks a little bit different. than the the, Now, that's why it's a red with white writing rather than the white with red writing. I'm wanting to show you a separation. This is the moment you've confessed before God. Now you're saved. The third thing that it, it is is redemption. This is the act of buying you back. I love that. Redemption is the act of buying you back. What are you being bought from? You buy, See, redeem is a word they used for slaves. Someone was a slave. To redeem them was to buy them out of slavery. Well, guess what? You were a slave. You were a slave to that sin. Can you think about the sins that you were a slave to that owned you? See, that's what it is, right? Slavery is being owned. There are sins in our life that we just keep doing over and over and over, right? Seriously, right? There's some sin in our life that I just can't stop doing. I keep doing it and I do it. I'm trying to stop. But I can't stop. Yes, you can't stop. But there is someone who can free you. See, that's salvation, being freed from the thing that you're enslaved to. Redemption, the act of being bought back. Jesus paid with his own blood to pay my debt. Your debt was paid. The sin debt is paid. The fourth thing that he does, that the moment that you confess your faith and confess your sins, um, you're justified. That's a change in standing. So at this moment, you have a change in standing. You're no longer viewed as a sinner. Now you are righteous before God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, how many of you, you know, if you if you were to fill up a sin, let us pretend that every sin you've ever committed was this size, just this size, right? And you had a huge semi-trailer. For every sin that you've committed in your entire life, you could stack every corner of that thing up. Could you put all of your sin in one semi-trailer? How many of you would need another trailer? Right? Every sin you put in there, right? Every one of them was that size. And you start thinking, man, how many bad attitudes have I had? How many cuss words did I say in my mind? I may not have slipped it out of my mind. I was thinking it. There's some of you like, I don't cuss, but I've been thinking it. I didn't kill him, but I sure wanted to. Jesus said, you know, here's the thing. Jesus said if you look at another woman in lust, you've committed adultery. A lot of times people are like, well, I'm doing pornography, but I'm not doing the other thing. Uh, Yes, you are. You're absolutely cheating and being unfaithful. You see, a lot of times what we do is we try to justify our sins. We, but that's not your part, is it? Your part isn't justification. What we like to do is we like to justify our sins so we can continue in them, but then you're not saved from them. I need to be saved from my sin. I need salvation. I need freedom from the sin that's holding me down. So we have to stop justifying it. Stop rationalizing and saying, you know what, it's not as bad as so-and-so's. That's not your place. It's not your part. Only God can change your standing. You hear me? Only God can change your standing. See, when you're justified, there's three parts that come with this. The first part is a forgiveness. So when we break down justification just by itself, there's three parts. One, forgiveness. That is the taking away of your sin. He just takes your sin. He took those semi trailers and he threw them in the abyss of hell. They're gone. It's gone. That's forgiveness. He says, "When I forgive you, you're whiter than snow. Your sin as far as, as uh, east from west. I think I got it right. I was, you know, I'm used to yeah, east from west. Okay, there we go. So." He takes the sin away from the sinner. That's forgiveness. Number 2, reconciliation. That's a changed relationship. So when I'm justified, that moment that he's taken Jesus took his blood, he paid for my sin, now I'm justified. This is all happening in the just moments of my faith. Just the moments that I put my faith, this is what's happening. So in those moments, hey, I'm boom, Jesus paid. Boom, I'm justified. Just like that. Just like that. And so what happens is this, is this changed relationship. So once, I was an enemy of God because I was a lost sinner. In that moment that Jesus pays for my debt, I moment, in that moment I'm forgiven, and now I'm reconciled with God. I'm no longer his enemy, but now I'm his friend. Isn't that amazing, in a moment? How many of you guys experience forgiveness from your spouse like that? <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? The guys are really trying hard not to laugh. They're like, "Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look away. Look away." I'm kidding. It's not just women. It's all of us. Don't we all start? Why don't we forgive like God? Aren't we told to? But that's what isn't this amazing about God? God's isn't it good that God's forgiveness is not like yours? I mean, isn't it good because if you were God, we'd all be going to hell. If I was God, we're all going to hell, right? Except for me, I'm going to heaven. I mean, think about it, though, because think about how how our forgiveness is conditional if I see a change. Well, God didn't do that. He's the one doing the changing. Isn't it amazing to think about how God's forgiveness works, how his reconciliation works? He says, you know what? I love you. Um, you, You've confessed your sin. I forgive your sins, and now you and I are right we're reconciled well then there's imputation not amputation imputation God takes this is so neat so what's happening in all of this process of justification God is taking all of your sins so so let's pretend that every sin you ever committed was put was put into a savings account in a bank you're like whoo I'd be rich if all my sins were money in the positive direction right Let's let's go the other way. Maybe every one of your sins was a $10 withdrawal. And now you had this complete detrimental deficit in an account that you couldn't pay. God takes all of Jesus' righteousness and all of his goodness and his perfection, takes all of Jesus' perfection and righteousness and takes it over to your account and goes, boom, and he takes all of your sin, and then he takes that over here, and he goes, boom. That's what it is, imputation. Isn't it pretty remarkable how much God loves you? Because we don't deserve any of this, do we? We don't deserve any of it, and I'm just getting started. It's only 1020, woo, that's what I'm talking about. So I want to show you, you guys are going to love this. I'm about to pull up Romans 3.21 through five verses. (laughs) I really nerded out this week. I'm not going to lie to you. And there's times where I really enjoy it. I'm setting the stage here. So when I read the Bible, I underline circle and color. There's still a, a child hidden inside of me that I like to color. Just give me a coloring book actually i don't color um, but i like to highlight (laughs) so here we go (laughs) check this out though this is so cool so the righteousness is given that is in red means jesus right the blood of jesus so i'm wanting you to understand the righteousness is given it's not my righteousness because i don't got any the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus who's the faith part that's green it's me so the righteousness of God of Jesus is given to me through faith Woo, come on right to all who what believe so he's saying is this you're unrighteous but if you believe in me I will give you righteousness I don't see enough smiling because this is awesome stuff come on now if, if if you don't even if you're not even with me, just smile at me, okay? There is no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. He's like there doesn't it doesn't matter who you it doesn't. So what he's saying is there's no difference. Here's the here's let, let's put it. It doesn't matter. If you just got out of jail, it doesn't matter if you're still in jail. It doesn't matter if you are a murderer or never have murdered. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. No one is excluded from this. That's what he's saying is there's no one. There is no one excluded from salvation. Anyone can be saved. The requirement is whoever believes. And that was us. Wasn't that us? Wasn't that us? For all, this is the black part. I didn't, you know, this is the sin part. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We always quote that, but we don't ever read the verses before and after it. It's really neat when you put it all together, isn't it? Especially when you get highlighters and are justified. We'll see, there's the word that we just talked about, right? Justified. So here's that word justified. It's in red because that's Jesus' part. Freely by his grace, that's the Father. He's the one who's bestowed grace upon us by sending his Son through the redemption. There's the word redeemed, the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. There's a propitiation. Through the shedding of blood, there's redemption. Isn't it amazing how you can see all of these things in Scripture if you slow down? If we just slow down a little bit. Guys, we don't need to read five chapters. We need to read five verses and understand them and dig in them. Guys, I didn't read a lot of verses. I have read several verses, but these verses are the ones that I've poured my heart into all week. All week, five verses. I read other verses and share other verses. This is where I've been digging. And no regrets. I mean regrets. All right. But through the shedding of blood of his blood to be received by faith. There's that green thing again, right? That, that's my part received by what? Faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Not mine. I don't got any. Remember, I'm, I'm the one that's got a deficit in my account. I don't have nothing in my account to offer like most of our bank accounts. Amen? Like His righteousness because in his forbearance, that's his patience, he had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. So all the sins that had been left before Christ, he left unpunished because he was waiting for Christ. When you start thinking about how much God loves Loves the people that was before us, before Jesus died on the cross, the people of the Old Testament. God loved them so much that he left their sins unpunished, waiting for Christ. Would you wait a thousand years before the person who hurt you really bad got what they deserved? (laughs) That's some honesty, right? I mean, no, you're going to get it. I'm going to give it to you every day. So, his... To demonstrate, so he did this, why? To demonstrate his righteousness again. At the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies. Isn't that amazing how we see all of these things in one verse? Those who, again, have faith in Jesus. When I, I know that this may be just kind of a simple walking through some things, but I look at this and I'm just, I just get blown away by how amazing our God is. Like, the whole reason for showing up and to worship Him is because of this. This is what He did for me. And all He required of me is just to believe. I mean, can you imagine if He says, now I need you to believe and never mess up again? Oh, we're screwed. <laughs> I'm going to hell. You know what I mean? Because that's where we would be but it's not dependent upon you. The only part that you need to do is believe and repent of your sin and say, God help me, I'm a mess. So now that I've talked about the Father, I've talked about the Son, and I've talked about man's part, let's talk about the Holy Spirit's part. Because that's what this whole month has been focused on is the Holy Spirit. Now that I believe, what's next, right? Now that I believe. So all these things have happened to me. I, I've, been, I've been redeemed. I, I, I've been justified, right? I, I've, 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 this has happened to me in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye right now. Now what? What's the next thing that happens? Now the Holy Spirit gets to work. The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, finally, let's roll. I mean, the Holy Spirit's got some fun. His job's the, the coolest I put it in blue. Outside of camouflage, blue is my second favorite color. My wife keeps telling me that camouflage is not a color. Men, what do you say about that? (sighs) Camouflage is absolutely a color. Amen? That's the most amens I've gotten from any man today. Okay, all right. All right, I see where we are. Okay, so the work of the Holy Spirit. and so I want to just kind of first give you this really amazing verse to start off, and then we're going to hit some other ones. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone, see the word if, I circle that, if anyone, that's anyone, is in Christ, they are a new creation. You see, the moment that you get saved, you're brand new. If I could quote robots, it's a cartoon movie, why be you when you can be new? But most people are like, I don't remember, listen, I watched all these goofy cartoon movies with my children and I remember silly things like that. Why be you when you can be new? It was a whole sales program in the robot movie. Anyways, so the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. What's happening is there's a process that's happening in your life. The moment that you're saved because of all the sin going away, God made you brand new. You're going to mess that up for sure. I mean, I know you guys pretty well. We're all going to mess that up, right? We're we're going to mess that up. So here's the thing is is yes, I'm going to I'm going to put some blemishes on this, but he makes me brand new. And then what he says is not just that, but then there's a process of the new more new coming in and the old stuff going away. That's why when you get saved, not everything flip-flopped. I mean, everything felt different, but Sometimes you're like, I'm still struggling, I'm still struggling. Well, it's because the old is a process of going away, and the new is a process coming. Some people walk away from drugs, alcohol, and never touch it again, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, I don't even have it. That's an absolute amazing miracle that should be celebrated. All right, so there is three things we're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. The first one is this, number five. The first part of that is the regeneration. This is awesome. Regeneration means a changed nature. So God is so when you got saved, you know, you were you 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 were redeemed, you were justified and everything that comes into play with that, but now the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you're born again. That's why in John 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, "You must be born again." Like a whole, you have to be brand new. See, what's so amazing about God is that when I give my messed up life to Him, He says, I'm going to give you a fresh start. I'm going to give you a new beginning. Woo! Sometimes I'm like, God, can I have that again? He's like, you don't need to. I've already made you a new creation. We just need to come in here and clean some stuff up. Ephesians four twenty two says this, Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, the old person, the old you, which grows corrupt. Have you ever noticed that when you're left by yourself, you grow corrupt? Come on, right? If you're left alone, you you just kind of tend to go down the road of corruption, don't we? He says, throw that off. That's the old man. Throw that off that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be what renewed be renewed in what the spirit of your mind and put a new man which was created according to god Ooh, come on so the first thing that god wants to do he goes now that you're saved i'm sending the holy spirit to make his home in your heart and he the first thing he's going to do is make you brand new Some of us sitting in this room go, that does not sound too bad. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does, which is number six, is adoption. Changed position. Now we're a child of God. My adopted children love to use that as their joke, so be careful if you're new and you ever say something, my kids will sometimes go, I'm adopted. They love to do this to their teachers, especially when when they have substitutes to try to Make their teachers feel awkward for a moment. Especially that one. All the time she's like, yeah, I'm adopted. I'm like, that's not how you start a conversation, honey. Yeah, but I just want them to know that. What I tell them all the time is when, when we, we adopted uh, four of our children into our, our lives, I said, you know, here's the thing is my other three I got stuck with. I didn't have any, you know, I didn't get to choose them. We're just stuck with them. We got to choose you. So, I mean, that's got to count for something. So... Um, but here's the thing is, is that I always told my daughter and all my children who were adopted, this is something that should mean something to you. Because here's the thing is, is that when, when, when you are in a place of needing to be adopted, it's because that you do not have a mom and dad right now in your life to take care of you, to love you, and to, to nourish you, and to teach you, and to, to, to provide for you, and to protect you, sometimes from yourself. And 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 discipline you and raise you up and 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 be prepared to send you out and and here's the thing is this that requires a choice i chose to adopt you and god chose to adopt you he didn't have to he could have said you know what my forgiveness is enough. You're going to be a worm in my kingdom. I'd be happy to be a worm in that kingdom. I'm telling you, I I would be happy just to be a wiggly worm in the dirt in that kingdom just to not to go to hell. But God says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make you my child. I mean, you guys realize that like God of the universe, the great creator of everything, looked at you and all of your sin. He loved you. He sent his son as, a, as an atoning sacrifice for you. He, he was willing to forgive you. He was willing to pay for your debt. He was willing to get you out of the mess. He's not only willing to do that, he's now willing to make you a new man. And not only that, he says, I want you to be my kid. God wants you to be his child. Now any parent in the room and you love your children, you should know something about that. You should know what you would do and the lengths that you would go to love your children, to fight for your children, to defend your children. Here's the deal, I'll go to prison for my kids. All you young boys in the back best be listening. Wouldn't you? That's your baby girl. That's your baby boy. You know, I may whoop him, but no one else. (laughs) Uh I'm only a preacher, to my kids' beliefs, I'm only a preacher for 40 minutes on a Sunday morning. They're like, dad, you only work 40 minutes a week. For the longest time, they're like, dad doesn't make anything, mom's paying all the bills. (laughs) Because dad only works 40 minutes. (laughs) Like Like, oh, bless your heart, child. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive. Now listen to this. Listen to the words. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. What it means is that you don't have spirits of fear. You don't have a spirit of bondage to sin when you got saved. No, God gave you a spirit of adoption. That is amazing. And we cry Abba, which in Hebrew means Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if you're a child of God, then you're an heir to the kingdom of God. There's an inheritance that's out of this world. Literally, it's out of this world. I'm glad that you guys like to laugh. I've been in some, I've preached at some churches every joke that I would say, they're like, I'm like, man, this is a tough crowd, tough crowd, tough crowd, tough crowd. All right, last one, but it's not my last slide, just to let you know. We're getting close though, we're getting close. Sanctification. This is, this is an important one that you guys need. This is a lifelong process of changed character. You'll never be the same. When you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. Now how how like I want you to picture something. So like I I, I well I mean, I love so I love I love my dad, right? My dad was I mean, like, and I think every son that looks up to his father, like, my dad was the toughest dude, like, I would, like, my dad could totally beat up your dad, and have you seen my, I don't care, my dad punched a cow and broke his hand, there's no one tougher than that, a horse fell on him and broke his pelvic, and yet he got back on, I don't even know, his jaw was, I mean, like, my, you know, like, I'm like, my dad's tough, right, I mean, that's what every, every kid who looks up to their dad, like, my dad's tougher than you, here's the thing, is so I, I wanted to be like my dad, right? Because I love my dad, I respected my dad, and I want to be like my dad. So here's the, what I'm saying in this is this. Whether you had a good father or not, you have a good father now. And as a good child, I want to be like my daddy. I want to be like my father in heaven. And so what happens is he says, good, I'll help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to send to you my spirit. And my spirit is going to change you. And you will become more like me every day. You're going to love like me. You're going to talk like me. You're going to act like me. You're going to give like me. I'm going to, we're going to pass the offering place in just a minute. And, and, and anything that I'm doing, you're going to do just like me. Isn't that amazing? That we have a father that did. did, did you did, Have you noticed Everything that God did for us. If your mind isn't just a little bit blown to think about everything that God did, and I just, the only thing I'm like, God, I believe. And I'm a sinner, I'm an idiot. I mean, all I have to do is say, God, I believe, and I'm an idiot. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the prerequisite to salvation. I believe, and I'm an idiot. Okay, you're in. Whew. And He did everything else and is still willing to do more. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Guys, this is a tough passage. I need you to hear me. Do not be deceived. That means don't let you trick yourself. That's man's biggest problem is us deceiving ourselves. Well, I go to church. Oh, I believe in God. Well, here, let me, believing in God is not the only part of your part. A lot of people are like, all I need to do is believe. No, that's not all. You have to confess and repent of your sin too. It's a two thing. You're confessing sin and confessing faith. Not just confessing faith. The problem with people today is that I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I want to go to heaven doing it. Salvation is being saved from sin. So if you're living in sin, that's not being saved. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's true. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't be tricked. Neither the sexually immoral. Youth, that's pornography. Young people, that's living together. That's sex before marriage. That's homosexuality. The things that kids are doing in school and on buses today... The things that our our eyes are seeing. Sexual immorality is anything that's immoral doing with sex. Sex is for a husband and a wife. That's who it's for. It's a beautiful thing for those two. But he didn't stop there, did he? Nor idolaters. Anyone who puts anything before God, that's idolatry. You can't worship your phone and get to heaven. Your biggest idol in your house is what's in your back pocket. Some can't even get through an entire service without checking the notifications that they might have on Facebook. That's an idol. We put more money into our phones than we do into the kingdom of God. That's an idol. nor adulterers, and I said before, that's when you are married and you're looking upon pornography, that is lust, that is looking at others, that is still adultery. Nor homosexuals, nor thieves. Oh, it's just a little thing. There's no such thing as little sins. Taking something that's not yours will get you to hell just as fast as murdering somebody. We live in a world where we try to say that's a little sin, I'm not hurting anybody. I'll sin as long as it doesn't hurt somebody. Nor the greedy, nor drunkards. Guys, in the word drunkenness, it wasn't just about alcohol. It was about any mind substance, any substance that messes with your mind. You can do this through drugs, illegal. You can do this through alcohol, which is legal. You can also do this through prescribed drugs. And I'm not saying that if you have something that you need to work on and you're prescribed, but you can also abuse that, can't you? So here's the thing, is drunkenness is when you are allowing your mind to be altered other than God. That's a drunkard, a swindler, somebody who tricks people. Good thing that we've already filed our taxes, right? And that is what some of you were. In fact, that's what all of us were before Christ. If we're being honest with this, wasn't every one of us we could find something on here. I'm going to I had sex before marriage. I was sexually immoral. I was a pastor, and I had sex with my uh, betrothed. In fact, I hid that from everybody. I was so afraid that if somebody found out that we made a mistake, I would be fired from the pastorate. I couldn't tell anybody, and I was dying inside. I couldn't even confess my sin to anyone else but God, and it wrecked us for years because I felt so guilty. I shouldn't be a pastor. I shouldn't be a pastor. I shouldn't be a pastor because I messed up. And I didn't have anybody to talk to. That's why when we planted this, we wanted to be different. Listen, we make mistakes. We need to talk about it. And we need to process it. And we need counseling. My wife and I are the number one people. We will go to, we go to marriage counseling. I'm passionate. She's passionate. You get two passionate people, whoo, you got fireworks. We go to counseling, folks. And we ain't ashamed of it. it. <laughs> Some people will say, I am not doing counseling. Why? What are you so afraid of that it might work? I'm like, what you're doing's not working now. Maybe something might work. So afraid of being wrong. <laughs> Man, I'm wrong every day. So is my wife. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> so, all right. This is what some of you were. It takes forever to get through one verse. You're like, man, I pretty much failed my preaching class in college. I'm not going to lie to you. They said, Daniel, if you can't say it in 20 minutes, don't say it at all. And now you know what happened. In college, no one laughed at my jokes. I'm just glad that you guys laugh. But it does encourage me to keep doing them no one's gonna laugh at him. like don't laugh stop laughing kids all right so uh, we're almost done though all right so that's what some of you were but look you were what sanctified the word sanctified means this god set you apart he took you away from that you were see here's the thing is many of us were identified by our sins right you are a drunkard Or you are a drugger, or you're an addict, or you're this, or you're that, and we took on these titles. See, that's what you were. You were identified by whatever sin you messed around with, right? But here's what God offers instead. He says, listen, I need you to confess your sin so that I can identify you as a child of God, so that you don't have to have identity in your failure anymore. You don't have to be identified with your fear anymore. He wants you to become a child of God. See, that's what sanctified means is that he takes you and he and he sets you apart from it. I don't live there anymore, amen. I'm not that anymore. That's what sanctification, and it's a lifelong process where God continues to work on you and shape you up and knock off the edges, and yes, it hurts. We got a lot of rough edges, and that sanding kind of hurts a little bit, but then we, but God just, he's doing a perfecting work in your life, and when you die, you become perfect. Did you know that? That's number eight glorification, but I I wanted to stay with the perfect number, so we're just not going to talk about that today. So And you're justified in Jesus by the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That God does all that. That God does all that because of how much He loves you. God loves you so much. He loves you so much that He was willing to do all of that for you and your requirement is to confess your faith in him and confess your sin to him and give yourself to him the more you give yourself to him the more he gives himself to you the more change happens a lot of times we only surrender a little piece of ourselves to god like god i'm just going to give you a I'm going to give you a, a guest bedroom and we'll see how this works out. When you give him your basement, he actually cleans out the basement, the stuff that you've got hidden. When you actually open up the whole house and, 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 and he gets in your closet, he'll clean that out. He'll get it in your attic, clean that out too. But you've got to open that up. So here's the thing is I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes today. God has been doing an amazing move. Here's the thing. A lot of times we get excited because God is moving in our lives and we think that we need to be saved sometimes when we're already saved. Here's the thing. We need to be saved from sin. So if there's sin in our life that we continuously live in, then there's something I need to be saved from. That's the number one place that we've got to start. I need to be saved from alcoholism, addiction. I need to be saved from my anger. I need to be saved from unforgiveness. I need to be, I, God, I need to be saved. This sin is taking over my life and I need to be saved. But that moment that you confess your faith in God and you confess your sins to God, then let them in. Stop fighting God. This sanctification work is lifelong. Every week we should be feeling the excitement of God in our lives to take us deeper into Him. We need to get out of the kiddie pool. So, is there anyone here today says, I I've sinned and I've fallen short of God. I'm absolutely lost. If I died here right this moment, I know I would go to hell. I don't want to. I need salvation. There's no fear in that. There There is no shame in doing the most important thing in our entire life. Is there anybody here today that says, I need to be saved? Just throw your hand up in the air. I need to be saved. Maybe we're saved right now, but we've noticed that we're playing in the ditch a lot more than we're playing on the road. Maybe this, today is a day where you need to drop some stuff at the altar and give that to God. Maybe today is the day that you're carrying some burdens around, you're carrying some sin around, and you're like, God, I just need to get this off of, I need to get this off of my shoulders, I can't do this, I need to give it to you. So, that's your cue (laughs) to wake up. Here's the deal. If you need to do that, do it. Right now, come to the altar. Drop it off. Drop off your burdens. Drop off your shame. Maybe you've already been forgiven, but you are still carrying the shame of your sin. I know some of us in this room right now are saved, and we know we're saved, but we still feel the shame of that sin. Not today. Drop it off, because it ain't yours to carry. Shame comes from the enemy, not from God. He forgives you. It's already done. He's moving forward and we're still stuck in it. Nope, that's the devil. Drop it off. Maybe you just want to praise God. Altars are not just a place of us dropping off our burdens, but it's also a place to sacrifice and offer praise. So this altar is open for whoever needs prayer. Whoever wants to drop some things off, maybe you just want to thank God today for the salvation and all that He has done in your life. Maybe you just want to, I want to thank God. Come on.